The largest recruiting platform in the industry has just launched an exciting new program to support your cannabis career. Today, we're talking with Natasha Lannard, the brilliant woman who built it. Tell me, boy, you make me so bored. You need to walk the other way. I tell you once more. Women Leading in Cannabis, where we get real about what it takes for women to raise money in cannabis. You can find us on the PodConnects network on iTunes, Spotify, and Pandora. I'm your host, Kira Reed. If you like what you hear, subscribe to Women Leading in Cannabis and leave us a good review. We'd really appreciate it. I want to give a shout out to our patrons, the Panther Group, for their ongoing support of Women in Cannabis and their mission to close the funding gap women face when it comes to raising capital. Thank you for supporting this podcast and Women Employed in Cannabis. All right, welcome to the show, Natasha. Hi, it's good to be on. I appreciate you considering me for this. I'm excited about our conversation. So (laughs) Natasha began her career in natural foods industry, working as a sales management professional for high-growth, trail-blazing brands such as Udi's Gluten-Free and Simple Mills. Natasha's first foyer into the cannabis industry was with Pax Labs, Inc., where she established the dispensary channel and launched the Era Vaporizer. Following her time with Pax, Natasha consulted for several distinctive cannabis brands, such as Lord Jones, Banks, and Mary's Nutritionals, prior to joining 1906, where she served as the Director of Business and Corporate Development until 2021. Natasha is currently the VP of Strategy at Bankst and the co-creator of Bankst Learn, a training and professional development platform designed to support career advancement in the cannabis industry. In addition to her role at Bankst, she is also a mentor with the Color of Cannabis by Can and Illinois Equity Staffing. Natasha, it's so great to have you as my guest today. We met at MJ Unpacked a few months ago, and I was so impressed with your deep knowledge on the cannabis industry and your passion for helping women. Uh, It was definitely a meeting of kindred spirits, so I'm really, really happy to have you on with me today. I know your background, but I'd love for you to share your cannabis story with my audience. Yes, I know. It's such an awesome time to be catching up with you now. I felt like you and I, when we met, it was like... Uh, we came all the way out here to meet and be friends. So it's so awesome. I love the like falling in friend love that can happen sometimes in the cannabis industry. Honestly, it's incredible. I think that that is one thing that has been super unique about being in this industry for going on nine years is obviously you make a lot of great business connections, but you also make a lot of great friends. Like the amount of people who have become my closest friends and closest network, like it's real. So it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting industry in that regard. And I think that when you are in this industry, it's hard and it's not easy and people are in the trench together and that's where the camaraderie comes from. So let's see, how did I find myself here? (laughs) It's a story. Um, 
So let's see. I was in the natural foods industry. Um, my last uh, role was with Simple Mills, which is now a large baking mix and snack company, but it was not at the time. Um, and I had helped that founder take the concept from what was sold in a plastic bag on Amazon uh, to being a national grocery brand in eight months. And all the while I was doing that, um, I have uh, I had, and I knew at that point I had one autoimmune condition, and that was celiac for all my gluten-free people out there. Um, and I had developed what was referred to as a mystery condition for five years, and it took five years to get diagnosed. And come to find out, I have a genetic condition that predisposes me to extreme biotoxin illness, and I got exposed to mold in a home that I did not know that there was black mold and they just painted over it. And I lived in that house. And so I got really sick because I have this genetic condition and I used to work 14 plus hours every day. I traveled every single week for six and a half years. Um, and I, when I started traveling, I, uh, after I, I went through treatment and it was interesting, the ear, nose and throat specialist was like, your life is going to change. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to take this medicine and my life is going to change because I'm not going to get on an airplane for 10 days. And then I'm, I'm back in the game. And I did the treatment and I immediately got back on an airplane and was right back in my thing. And I had a huge flare of the condition and I was like, oh no. And I was very young. Um, I was in my mid twenties, literally at the height of my career, which was weird to be that young and at the height of your career and having a complete health meltdown. And it was uh, a huge wake up call for me that, and I think that, you know, a lot of your listeners will understand if any of them have gone through this, that like your wealth is your health and you can't do anything without it. And I spent, um, a huge amount of time in my life being like, wow. Okay. So I, uh, was like, what am I going to do with my life? for me to be a VP of sales of a, of a national brand involves living on an airplane. And so that means I'm not going to be able to be a VP of sales of a national brand because I can't live on an airplane anymore. And it was after Amendment 64 had passed. Um, and I am from Colorado. I've lived here. I was born in Colorado. And one of my best friends actually had gotten into the cannabis industry. It, she, she is less, she's like four months ahead of me. And she was like, you know what? you might want to get into the cannabis industry. And I've been a long time consumer. I think uh, I was a patron of the brand of Ziploc <laughs> from a decently early age. And I was like, so, you know, I was no stranger to the game of, of cannabis. And I was a huge fan of PAX. I had the PAX one vaporizer with anyone knows who's old school, where you'd like have to pop up the top and it would come out and I'd have to clean it every week. I literally would clean that thing, get high before I vacuumed. Like it was like part of my cleaning routine every, every Sunday. So I was a huge fan of that. And she was like, they're hiring for a territory sales manager. And that was like entry level job for me. Um, given where I was at in my career, she's like, you should apply for it. And I applied for it and they called me within 24 hours. And I obviously interviewed, uh, was well qualified and got the job. And uh, that was really interesting for me going from where I was at, which was a business, the natural foods industry and CPG in general is so formulaic at this point. You can be a startup company, but you're a startup company in a well-oiled industry, right? And that's something that I feel like we all know is very different here. You're a startup company in a startup industry, and that's what makes this interesting. So I got into the cannabis industry. It blew my mind. It blew my mind uh, at that point, you know, the 
at that point, packs had really only been sold in head shops. And so I helped them establish a channel strategy and I was the first person to own the dispensary channel and I validated it. I went out and I crushed it in Colorado. I made a ton of friends and I was like, yeah, this is a viable pathway. And over the course of that, like obviously era had been developed and helped launch that. And then I really, you know, kind of wanted to challenge myself further because that was, you know, I I definitely put everything into it and it was very successful. I built an awesome team uh, when I left and went to consulting. And that's actually how I met Carson uh, Humston, who is the CEO of Vangst. So I, uh, she was one of my first consulting clients and uh, she had, she and I had met. And one of the things that I had helped her with was setting up a sales strategy um, for banks and like the ways that, you know, they could really bolster their sales strategy. And so we came up with one that was based around how to really, um, not only attend trade shows, but to get business from trade shows, which isn't necessarily the same thing sometimes. And so she and I, you know, have been on and off working together for five and a half years. Um, Peter Barsoom, who is the co-founder at 1906 and CEO was another one of my first clients. And he and I obviously hit it off famously. I was one of the first full-time employees at 1906 and was his right-hand human for five and a half years until I left to join Vangst full-time last uh, October. So it's been an interesting run. I have definitely worked with a bunch of different people and it's been an honor to do so. And I've had an opportunity to um, yeah, get involved in many different avenues of the, of the business. And this is my first, uh, real foray into education and something that I'm super passionate about. Well, we are here to talk about it. So fill us in, what is the platform? Why did you build it? And what is the goal? So from the perspective of banks, what do you hope to see? And from the perspective of cannabis career employees, individuals that are looking to advance themselves in this industry, what's in it for them? I'm going to start with the question in the middle and then weave it into weave it in. So I think one of the biggest things in general and uh, people I feel like are going to know what I say when I say this, because it's said all the time is like starting with the why, right? Like why do anything? And when you're really clear on the why, the what, the how, the all of those different things usually become infinitely more clear. So let's start with the why. Um After working at 1906 for five and a half years, and frankly, again, with my background in natural food CPG, I think one of the things that I was seeing is that um, you can get into the cannabis industry, but what is not clear is how you get ahead. You know, and I think that one of the things initially when the industry started and keep in mind, this is a this is a very young industry. And so the, the getting in has been the primary focus for so long because that's all there was. There was no, you know, like we're all just getting into this thing and we're figuring it out as we go. But Amendment 64 passed over a decade ago. It's time to pivot the conversation from getting in to getting ahead because that's where we're at. And I think one of the things that I saw is like, again, I saw a lot of amazing people getting in and it was clear like, okay, and Vangst is amazing at helping people get in, right? Like Vangst has helped more people get in than probably anybody. And, you know, Carson and I um, have, again, have had an ongoing relationship for five and a half years and we would go out to dinner and frequently we would find ourselves having this conversation of like, what's next? And it's like, all right, well, what's next is getting ahead. How do we get people from transitioning from not only getting them ahead, but how do we 
you know, strengthen the Vangst offering, not only to the candidates, to the companies, but to the industry. And it's like, all right, we start to develop a strategy for getting people ahead. And when you zoom out right now, there's a lot of great platforms and they're all focused on one thing and that's training bud tenders. Uh, And that's great. And that is one category of worker in the cannabis industry. It's not all of it, right? There is a, there are a lot of people who would benefit from basic education, right? Just entry level stuff. The other thing that we got, uh, you know, that we have or have the benefit of seeing from the bank side is we don't only work with people who are in the industry today. We have an entire audience of cannabis curious people who come to banks who might be an accountant in Branson, Missouri, and they're like, what's this weed thing all about? You know, could I maybe work in cannabis one day? And the answer is yes. But if there's no body or any available information to explain to you what 280E is and how it impacts a cannabis business, you know, if you have an interview, you're going to be at a detriment that you don't know these, these things that are incredibly important and very specific to this industry. And so, you know, Carson has done an amazing job over the years building out banks.com. And I encourage everybody uh, on the pod to check it out. If you don't already have a profile built out on banks.com, highly recommend that you do. Um, You can kind of put in your professional experience. You can also use it to search and find people that have very specific experience. Let's say you were looking, if you're an employer in Colorado, you want to find someone with a badge, you can find people there on banks.com. So check it out. Um, Plug for that. But one of the things since the the platform is already built online, we're like, okay, like what if we added a, an education component that was open for everybody, not just for bud tenders and not only open for everyone in the industry, but open to anybody who lands on banks.com over a hundred thousand people you know, we have over 100,000 people who are registered members of Banks.com, but last year alone, over 500,000 people landed on that page, Banks.com. And so the amount of traffic that we have coming to the site, we're like, you know what, what are we giving to them to get them to come back? And again, and again, and again, because here's the deal. Up until this point, you might find a, your dream job on Banks.com, but you might have that dream job for a few years. Mm-hmm. What are we offering to you, the person who found their dream job on banks.com that gives you a reason to come back? And the same could be said about for somebody who is kind of curious and is maybe just checking it out and they want to know what they need to do in their state to to maybe consider a, a career in cannabis, right? Like what are we offering to them for them to keep coming back? And the number one thing that I think we could offer from, you know, from our position as a company, from our platform is an opportunity for people to find a place where they can educate themselves. Um, Not only about brands, about products, about services, but even like, honestly, one of our most popular videos right now is the credential around like, can't becoming a cannabis, you know, working in cannabis. It's how to write a cannabis resume and how to network in cannabis. Interesting. That's our number one viewed video right now. And what does that tell you? that the majority of people that are coming and watching this aren't in the game today and they want to be. So that's, they're not bud tenders today, but they could be bud tenders tomorrow. So that's a little bit of the, you know, kind of our theory around this is like, 
how do we evolve banks to be something that opens the door to being a gateway to the cannabis industry for people who are in today to advance and learn something new. And then people who are curious about coming in, getting their foot in the water. So it reminds me of what we did in, um, gosh, in 22, when we were working with Oak Street on University. And the whole point of our monthly events was to kind of give that back room um, perspective on what is happening right now in manufacturing, what is happening right now in uh, testing. Because there is, while there is the segment of people who are coming into the industry and the basics, what is the endocannabinoid system? What is 280? Like the basic things you need to understand when working in cannabis. And then as you grow in your position, you also need to understand what's happening on the ground right now today. What policy was just passed that's going to impact your position, what you're doing? So there's so much education that needs to happen for employees, for people who are working in the industry just to stay alive and relevant in their jobs from a bud tender all the way up to a CEO executive. And there really has not been a way for people to even contemplate. Like I remember talking to people who are bud tenders, to women who are bud tenders, and I say, are you in the cannabis industry? And they wouldn't even acknowledge or realize I am in the industry because they, they don't see a path for themselves. How can I stay relevant? How can I stay ahead of the game in this industry? And, and what does a promotion even mean? What are even the opportunities that exist for me that I could build a career path here? So I think what you're doing with banks is just there's a massive, massive need for this very basic understanding of how do you how do you learn and how do you grow in this industry if it's something you want to do for the rest of your career. So uh, my hat's really off to you. So tell us if this program has launched, we can access it easily just by going to banks. And then what are some of the other projects that are happening as a result of this this platform. Yeah. So what's interesting about this, and just before I kind of go into this, is that what's interesting about this opportunity and what we're doing is that this can only be done by people in the industry. Yes. We can't wait for somebody outside of the industry to step in and, and fill this role, right? This is an industry coming together. And like, I just want to say like every single person that's partnered with us on Vanks Learn and has supported us by, you know, putting their material on there and like, just to give an example, you know, of course we have like a WANA basics credential, but we also have something on there, you know, from LeafLink. If you're a, a buyer, there's a video on how LeafLink works. If you're a seller, there's a video on how LeafLink works, right? Like wow. this isn't just, this is so much bigger than just where it's been right, you know, in this little spot of brand education, it's industry education. So, you know, that is one thing that we've really been focused on is how do we get the things that are the most ubiquitous in this industry on there to build out our content base that way. So we've had a lot of success. There's a lot of like unique things that are on there. We are getting ready to launch a partnership with work, which think about this, how many people are clocking in every day with work? A lot in this industry. They are the largest provider of HR services in the industry. We're going to have a video that every employer can share with their employees demonstrating how this works. So, you know, we like on the micro learning feature, and I should say like the focus of Banks Learn in the public facing sense is really a focus on 
micro learnings. What do I mean by micro learnings? It's a trend in e-education, and it basically refers to the material being short, to the point, and always like sub five minutes. Honestly, like given the, the success that you've seen with TikTok, overwhelming evidence shows that the majority of people are going to find some sticky points in material that's honestly like, and I've seen some some studies on this because I nerded out, but it's like anything beyond five minutes, you're going to kind of lose people in this in this barometer of education. If you're going deep into subject matter, that's different. But for people, just quick bites of knowledge is where you pick up the most audience. So at this point, everything that, you know, when people log on and they check out banks.com, you'll see very clearly the tab to see the trainings and to unlock those. They're all going to be super short format. So you can learn on the go, right? Like you're, you know, like depending on if you're a public transitor, right? Like you can pop one of these, you know, when you're waiting in line to get on the subway or, you know, you have a few minutes at your lunch break, you can check it out. Um, so we also are, you know, kind of doing a longer form um, offering. And this is something that is really in partnership with uh, the state. Vangst is partnering with um, with the state of Colorado to help d- develop a body of content falls into a very different type of material around technical assistance. So a few things to say about that. Uh, Up to this point, states who have gotten into the cannabis industry, the most of them, except for like places like New York, honestly, I feel like is the trailblazer in this, have been retroactively participating. What do I mean by that? It means that the state, you know, Amendment 64 is a great example of this. Over 10 years ago, the focus was let's do this. And now the state is having to retroactively turn around and say, okay, now we have to make equity a priority. Equity was not a priority the day one when the industry started in this state of Colorado. And I think a lot of states would see that too. New York is probably one of the biggest outliers in equity being a priority from day one. And I applaud them for that. Agree. Moving on. The number one metric that states use to establish success of their involvement in equity in the cannabis industry has been around license ownership. Okay. License ownership is not the same thing as business ownership. And anyone in the cannabis industry knows what I'm talking about. Right? So if your metric for success is how many licenses have been granted that is actually a false metric of success because that doesn't mean that those people are operating successful businesses. And when, if the goal is truly generational wealth, you need a business to generate wealth, not a license. A license is the entry point, right? Like that's like baseline, like you need lights, you need a facility, you need insurance, you need a license. But those are, those are ingredients in a recipe, that is not the finished product. It's not the cake, it's the eggs. Exactly. It's the eggs. And, uh, you know, I have been mentoring for prior to coming on full time at banks, you know, I have been mentoring um, with the Color of Cannabis as an organization I've supported for years. Uh, BIPOC Can, I'm a new um, kind of addition to their mentor lineup. Um, I've supported Illinois Equ- Equity Staffing with different programs. And so I'm really passionate about mentoring. and. I love doing it and it's not scalable, right? I will go teach a class. I I mentor one-on-one. Anyone who 
um, is in my class. I offer one-on-one time to, and people actively take me up. I I do one-on-one sessions a lot. Um, but again, I, you know, I kind of started realizing like, man, it'd be really great if people could just log on and access a lot of this stuff. Because one of the things that I've noticed as a mentor is that the number one thing that people come to me for is pointing them in the right direction of a specific point of information that they can't find on their own. Right. It's absolutely how do I figure this out? Right. And what makes me, you know, where my use is, is that I know who to connect them with, what direction to point them to. And so I was like, man, we could actually make something, a piece of work that does this on demand. How cool would that be? Amazing. And so that's exactly what we're doing. So I'm currently developing a technical assistance program that is kind of has a two-prong approach. Um, the first layer of the material is general subject matter um, from how to handle a product recall. Seems pretty helpful to know. Uh, what is 280E and how is it going to impact your business? Um, through to, let's say you're a brand. What do you need if you approach a business to make a sale? Like what, what are the, the, what's the checklist for a B2B business? Um, you know, those types of very kind of specific things through to more detailed information on how to select nutrients for a cultivation and, you know, those more vertical specific things. So currently working on developing that with, um, and I'm not doing it alone. Let's be clear. Everything done in this for me is done with the industry, you know, backing me. So Every single category where um, where I could find someone, I have subject matter experts from this industry giving their knowledge on their expertise. So, for example, I have Nick Richards from Green Spoon Martyr, who is one of the leading tax attorneys in the industry. He's an expert on 280E. He is a subject matter expert on what I'm putting out there. And I went through for all of these different things that we're doing, and I'm getting subject matter experts, literally industry leaders, so that not only are you learning from the best, you now know the best people to contact if you need further help. And are you looking for more partners? If anyone's listening that wants to contribute, are you open to taking on new experts or uh, their content? So I think one of the biggest things about this is like this particularly body of content is going, it is pretty defined at this point, right? Um, we are, we have filmed it. We're, editing it. It's all getting put together. Um, so that in its own right is kind of a, is a closed chapter. And I see this as the beginning of what will be a body of content that could potentially be a library of expertise. And like I said, I feel like it's going to take the industry to do this, right? We need to educate folks about this. No one from the outside is going to be able to do this for us. And so I would imagine that, you know, depending on the use of this and like the the kind of feasibility, we already have conversations about different topics we want to explore because frankly, it's a lot of white space out there. Indeed. Is there anything else about the program that you want to talk about before we move on? Not particularly this, you know, program, but I do want to go back to Vanks Learn, the more like open feature that we have. We are actively seeking partnerships with anybody who wants to get the word out to not only people that are in the industry today, but people who could be in the industry. I think one of the things Vanks has to offer our, our par- potential partners is quite possibly the largest audience of cannabis associated individuals that honestly the industry has. Again, over last year alone, over 500,000 people landed on Vanks.com. 
if you have interest in getting out there and getting in front of people, we've got the platform for you. I'm going to pivot the conversation because we focus here on funding and it's something that you have been through. So give us a quick background on where you've been involved in raising money. And then I want to get into a little bit about your experience doing so as a woman in the cannabis industry and some advice that you might have for some of our listeners who are there themselves today. So I kind of got into fundraising uh, by accident, just like the cannabis industry (laughs) (laughs) and everything I've ever subsequently done since. Um, So let's see, Uh, as I had mentioned before, my background is in sales um, extensively. I have, I have commercial and I should say commercializing ideas is primarily, I I don't sell things that are well-established. I commercialize ideas. And so I know what it takes to pitch and I've been very successful at selling widgets. And so I'm just going to put that out there to the audience, right? Like transferable skills are real. Okay, so if you have sold lemonade at a lemonade stand and found yourself to be successful, you have what it takes to raise millions of dollars. And let me kind of explain why. The number one thing when I used to work with founder CEOs that I would always coach them on is that people don't buy products, they buy stories. And people want to see themselves in your story. They don't want to see yourself themselves in your bag of chips, right? Like no one cares. They want to hear your story and they want to see themselves in it as a part of that story. So we had, you know, been trugging along in 1906. And up to that point, Peter had been solely responsible for raising money. And we kind of went through a dry spell. And, you know, as somebody who was his right-hand human and confidant and literally on for the ride for everything, I was like, you know what? I'm down to try. Like, let's, let's see how this goes. Um, and I've never done it before, but I also have sold and commercialized things to pretty big success. Um, and I get, I get the, I get the premise of it. So why don't you give me a try? And I just want to thank him for honestly giving me an opportunity to do so because it was a skill that like, again, unless you're in the startup game or whatever, like you just don't get opportunities to do this kind of stuff. Right. Like I learned so much working with him and I'm really grateful to him for all of the opportunities that he offered me. And this was probably one of the skills, like looking back on my tenure at 1906, that I am like incredibly grateful because this is a skill that again, is transferable and I'll be able to use my whole life. So one of the things, you know, we had always been telling the story together, right. Of like, if we were at events or whatever it was. And, you know, so I started coming along on, you know, in meetings with, with investors and we started telling the story together. And it made a huge difference of like, you know, one of the things that people, you know, when you work with founders and CEOs, which has always been my thing, I've always worked alongside founder and CEOs. So that's kind of been my niche is like, when you have that pair, you can bounce off each other. You can fill in the weaknesses. One of the things that I found myself doing a lot in our pitches together is really getting good at watching the audience and seeing where we lost them because they didn't quite have the background information and being able to have the ability to stop the conversation and say it in a different way until the click. Don't just assume like, that's the thing is like, do not assume 
that <laughs> telling the story the same way is going to, is going to work because it's not, you have to be agile and you have to be prepared to tell that story in a different way every single time. Cause the person you're telling it to is different every single time. So we got really good at it. And, uh, I, you know, kind of over the course of doing that for years, helped him raise and the company raise over $25 million. Um, the, the largest check I personally secured was a million. Uh, and we had a lot of different investors, um, a cadre of them, <laughs> you know, like that's one of the things too. And I, this is good for your audience to hear. The majority of our money did not come from within the cannabis industry. Interesting. I, I want, I want everyone to hear that. I'm going to say it again. The majority of our money did not come from within the cannabis industry. Why? Because when you think about it, 1906 has been counterculture since day one. When we first went out and started talking to people, let me tell you what I heard. I was one of the first people to ever sell 1906. So this will really put it into perspective how things have changed. People, the number one thing I heard is no one wants a five milligram product. No one cares if it's fast acting. No one is going to know why, like why put any plant medicines in it. People are just trying to get high. So those are the, those are the three things that we heard. Let's be clear. We were the first brand to launch a five milligram product in the state of Colorado. It's a category now. We were the first brand to launch a fast acting product. It's a category now. And so when we went out to raise money from the cannabis industry, they didn't get it. And so we had to get creative. Who gets it? Well, first of all, we knew our audience really well. We knew who we were making products for. And we went to those people who we were making products for and we asked them and they said yes. So I just want everyone to know that like the other part about this this is also something that I learned, which will be helpful for your audience, is that the pool of people who invest in cannabis, it's a small pool. And so you're going after the same people. And let me just tell you, those if if it's if you're not doing something that is like literally revolutionary, they're going to compare you to the person they talked to, the pitch before. So you're going to have to up your game tenfold because you are literally pitching in a very very competitive and a very very repetitive industry. There's not a lot of big ideas coming out of this right now, and that's my personal opinion, but. I've seen a lot of pitches and again, there's not a lot of revolutionary ideas. So you need to be prepared. for. Yeah. I spoke with an investor a few months ago who said, you know, if you've got a vape pen or a pre-roll or a sab, like don't even bother because it's all been done. Where can you innovate? Mm -hmm. You know, it's got to be something new. So unless you're in a brand new state with a brand new market where it needs to be filled with brands, it's going to be very, very hard to find, especially in a state like California or Colorado. Yeah. And that's why, like, I'll go back to what I first said. The, if you don't have a new product, you better have a new story, right? Mm-hmm. The more similar your product is, the more unique your story better be. Okay. So to that point, you know, we're hosting a mentor program, the Roadmap to Funding Mentor Program. And we have 25 women that we're taking through this program. And I sat in on a session one day and I heard one of the mentors say, I understand that you were brought into this industry because your child was sick and cannabis helped them and that motivated you. But you know what? We've heard that story before a hundred times. So I'm curious, you know, what stories you're hearing that 
that are setting it apart, setting that company apart, because a lot of us who are here were brought in under similar, you know, our stories are really, really similar. So at some point though, they, they're not as potent. They're not as, they don't have the impact because it's kind of everybody's story now. So what kind of stories do you mean when you say you've got to be, have something different? What is a different story you've heard? So I'm going to back up even further, especially because this changed my career and I feel like it applies. And, and this is something that I spend a lot of time sharing just in general in life with some of my other endeavors as well, is that when you sit down and you interact with somebody, I highly recommend that before you even sit down with them, that you do your research and that you know who you're sitting across from. And not in a creepy way, but there's a lot of information about people. And so one of the things that's that I feel like I want to get the point across here is there's storytelling and then there's relational storytelling. Mm. So I know what I'm doing. And again, I might have a very similar story. How I relate to you is the unique part. So it's good to know your own story. I hope you know your own story. I hope it's fantastic and that you've got it, you know, down, back, forwards, left and right. And going back to what I was saying before, it's about the connection on the other end. So what I would suggest is that you know who you're talking to and you spend the first half of that conversation building rapport and asking questions. Because in that time, and again, I it's all about, you know, being suave on this, right? Like, I'm not saying that you get out there and you're like, okay, I'm going to get out my little flip notebook and uh, check it off. No, that's, I'm, I'm talking about being smooth. We are smooth operators, right? Women, that's what's up. So I suggest that you begin the conversation with listening instead of focusing on what you're going to say. Get really good at listening because in those first few seconds, minutes, first of all, you're going to understand the, the, the cadence with which that person talks and you should match it. You're going to understand their energy level with which you should match it. You're going to understand a lot about the dynamic of that individual and then you can match it. And then once you know how to sync with them and you know a little bit about them, you use that time to relate your story, not just to tell it. That is, that is such great advice. Whether you're pitching an investor or applying for a job. And it reminds me too of our first meeting because we actually did not know each other. <laughs> we didn't even know what each other looked like really. And we met at a restaurant in New York city. And within a few minutes of talking, we were deep in the personal part of our lives and realizing things that there's no way we could have prepared for in conversation with each other until we actually were in front of each other asking questions about each other's lives that were, it was very natural and very authentic. And I think it serves a really good example of being really present and really authentic because there's, there's only so much that you can prepare for, but if you're really feeling comfortable in who you are and you're there in the moment and you're, you're attentive and you're willing to listen to the other person and try to find common ground without rushing right into your pitch, you're going to get yourself a much more receptive audience who's going to probably be a little more invested in you. Because if you can find things that you have in common, 
it is such an incredible affinity builder that it naturally just takes walls down. And I, you know, I, I really think our first conversation was exactly that, you know, we didn't know each other. And through the course of, you know, 30 minutes of talking, we had to be basically ripped apart at the end because we found so many different things that we aligned on outside of cannabis. So, you know, I haven't heard that specific advice when it comes to talking to investors, but it is absolutely so true because you may not even have a really strong pitch, but if you can get in and you can make that investor like you and feel a kinship with you, you're halfway there. Well, and when you think about it, right? Like investors are investing in you. You might make products, you might have a service. I mean, you can fill in the blank, but like, if I'm going to write a check, I'm writing it to you and you are the one I'm giving it to. And so that's, that's why I just like, you know, I, and I'm sure you have a lot of awesome people on here that are giving the nuts and bolts and I could go through that, right? Like have a good deck. I mean, all this other stuff. And let's back way, way, way up and get to the root of the success of how I have no institutional experience raising money. And I successfully raised over $25 million. I did it this way. I love it. That's such great advice. We definitely need to have you as a mentor in our next mentoring program. I would love to. I think, I think you Give some really phenomenal information. Okay, so are you ready for our final segment, She Had My Back? We're going to hear about some great women. Okay, so Natasha, my question to you is, what woman would you like to celebrate today who's had your back? And I'm going to let you think about that while I read my submission today. And when I come back, we'll we'll talk about a woman that you want to celebrate. Okay, today we uh, have a submission from Samara Addis. And she wants to honor Shauna Dunbar, who started the NPO Educan Nation. That's a great name. She says, in her fight as a mom to help her epileptic son, she took his health into her own hands. She recognized very quickly how little help and education there was for medical cannabis and went on a mission to change that. With the help of two like-minded women, Educan Nation was born. Today, with a board of directors of six female volunteers, reputable partners and affiliates, Educan Nation is becoming Canada's first association of certified cannabis educators and leading the way in standardized and responsible education. Educan Nation also just won the award for Educator of the Year at the Can Expo in Toronto, Canada. Congratulations, ladies. Shauna had dedicated hundreds of hours, worked with hundreds of patients, and is truly making a difference in the industry for patients and educators. Well done, Shauna Dunbar, and thank you so much for bringing her to our attention, Samara. All right, Natasha. She sounds like a badass. <laughs> right? Maybe there's a connection we need to make here. Uh, but again, another woman who was brought into this industry because someone in her life was deeply impacted and cannabis was the answer, right? It's really amazing how many companies that is the origin story. Yes. Yes. And it's so important. All right, Natasha, which woman do you want to start? So, you know, I just have to say this was when you brought this up, I was like, Oh my gosh. And you know what? It's really great that I'm panicking because there's so many and not so few. So I just want to put that out there and like, I also want to just like throw it out there if I haven't already propped out enough. 
my girl Carson, first and foremost, for always being someone who I could work with for five and a half years and for seeing a vision and believing in me to do it. Like, I really appreciate that. <laughs> well, I think that I hired you and brought you into my life. So thank you, Carson, as well. Yeah, big win. Um, the person that I want to highlight for this, though, like she was the first person to come to mind. And I think the reason why is because First of all, I know this person from outside the cannabis industry. We've been friends for over a decade. And uh, her name is Amy Rose Eisenbach, Eisenbach, and she is the director of production and community kind of relations at Flower Hire. And she does events. And her background is actually in Hollywood. She made a film called Equal Playing Field, which is a film about women's soccer. She is one of the most focused on female empowerment individuals I've ever met. It's at the core of everything that she does in work and in the world. And I felt like obviously given this podcast, it was the most appropriate person to call out. I think one of the things that I've appreciated is she and I go way back and we've been friends. And when she got into the industry, she was like, what am I going to do? You know, like, how did I find myself here? You know, and I, I don't want to go into her personal story, but she's been very touched by cannabis as a consumer. It helped her mom um, with cancer. Like really, again, back to that thing is everyone has a purpose and she definitely has a very clear one when it comes to this business. But one of the things that I love is like seeing the community that she has built for women. Um, if anyone who's listening has ever been to any of her events, they'll know what I'm talking about. She goes out of her way to get women together in the room talking, finding ways that they can work together for betterment of like everyone. And I just have been so impressed to see somebody who does this literally made a film about it. P.S. That's going to be shown at the World Cup in Australia. Her film is going to be shown. Yeah, the U.S. Embassy is going to be showing her film. So starting from being in Hollywood and finding a way to do this, right, even before it was cool, and then translating that passion for women and success of women into the cannabis industry and seeing somebody who literally had no background in this develop and build what she has and connect the dots with people. It's insane. And so I felt for the purposes of this podcast, she would have to be always having my back. She's one of the most supportive people and has been my girl for over a decade and has brought, I know a lot of support to people in this industry. And so my girl, Amy Rose, that's what's up. And I love the fact that she's kind of a competitor at a kind of a competing, competing company and that the bonds, you know, you started off our conversation talking about how many incredible women we have each met in this industry. And I think every woman listening who has spent any time in this industry can, can concur with that. Um, but to also be able to recognize somebody who is potentially competition for you and support them as well is it is such a beautiful part of the women of this industry and how we just push everything aside to really look after each other because different companies, competing companies, we really are in this together. So thank you for sharing. And I'd love to. Well, you know, one thing I will say about that though, the competition thing is like flower hire and banks only compete in one arena and that's in direct hire. We have a huge gigs business, which is very unique to banks. We now have an education business, which is very unique to Vangst. And what I love the most about it is that I attended every one of her events because she's my girl and I support her and it was never a big deal. And I think that that's something that we all need to look at here of like the benefits of competition are real and the benefits of collaboration are real. 
And in this industry, we do not advance if we only compete and don't have the skill set to collaborate. Do you know what that's called? What? Co-opetition. Oh, yeah, there we go. And if you guys haven't been to our parties, let me just tell you, you drop the competition too because they're off the hook. <laughs> I would love to go to one of her parties. You're going to have to introduce us. Oh, yeah. Love to get her on. They're the best. For us conversation. All right. Well, thank you so much, Natasha, for your time. And thank you. Today. It's been wonderful talking with you and learning about your new platform. Thanks to learn. I'm very excited to see it launch and participate with it. And thank you ladies for tuning in. Um, if you have not yet downloaded the roadmap to funding your guide on your funding journey, please go to the uh, panthergroup.co forward slash roadmap to funding. And we will see you here again next week for another conversation with women leading in cannabis. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Tune into a major journey podcast today, where guests take listeners on journeys and immerse themselves in the roller coaster ride both in and out of the cannabis space that brought them to where they are today. Throughout our conversations, guests share valuable lessons that they've learned along the way that listeners can use to empower growth both in their personal and professional lives. Check out A Major Journey today on all major podcast platforms.